It is now July and time to start thinking about another World Youth Day. That amazing initiative of St. John Paul II to bring young people from around the world together to meet each other, to meet the Pope and the hierarchy of the Church, and to celebrate and learn about our faith. No one knows exactly where the inspiration came from, but some say that it was inspired by a gathering of young people in Assisi called Youth Towards Assisi. John Paul II attended soon after being elected Pope. Then in 1984, he thought to invite young people to Rome for Palm Sunday. No one thought many people would show up, but 300,000 came. The following year, it was the United Nations Year for Youth, and so again, the Pope invited young people to Rome on Palm Sunday, and again, they came. The following year, 1986, was the first official World Youth Day, celebrated every Palm Sunday around the world. But every three years, it is celebrated at an international level. There's an International World Youth Day. The, the first one was in Buenos Aires, Argentina in 1987. Since then, it's been in Spain, Poland, the Philippines, the United States, France, Italy, Canada, Australia, Germany, and Brazil. This summer, World Youth Day returns to Poland, this time to Krakow, the home archdiocese of the founder, Cardinal Karol Wojtyla. Let's pray for the intercession of St. John Paul II for all the young people who will soon be in Krakow this summer and for the organizers and volunteers. May the experience of divine mercy overshadow them and bring them to a powerful personal encounter with Jesus Christ. And may that encounter lead to a calling. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, I'm Deacon Pedro, and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. Emily's here with Hi, me Hi, Pedro. Again. Emily, 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 and I are very excited because... Not that we never get mail. <laughs> we got a very <laughs> special email. We did. We did. On Wednesday. Yeah. Um, from Father Charles Filion from Winnipeg. He's from the Diocese of Boniface. And I don't know, maybe uh, you you know that Winnipeg, uh, for our listeners, Winnipeg is one of these um, archdioceses that's a little unusual. I don't know if this happens anywhere else in the world, but it, it it's actually two archdioceses because the city, town of Winnipeg, the town, the peg, <laughs> the city of Winnipeg. So it's like they have the English archdiocese of Winnipeg and the French. And the French. There is, there's a very strong Francophone community over there. It is. Yes. Good. So Father Charles Filion wrote, I'm going to read it. Yes. He said, your last salt and light hour was excellent. I think it was the first time that I had to stop what I was doing, not just once or twice, to jot down or go to the websites of your guest speakers. Not that your previous ones are not good. I was just, <laughs> just to clarify. Yeah, exactly. I was just more captivated by this one. So I just had to give you a comment on that to encourage you. He then he says, thank you for your ministry. I have been a faithful listener since, at, well, at least since the beginning. And of course, I am a guardian of salt and light. And uh, thank you, so there you go. So <laughs> thank that's you, what Father we Charles. Yeah, yeah, we need we need. Uh, il faut parler. Uh, il faut parler en français. Oui, because he's a francophone. Oui, merci beaucoup, Père Charles Filion, pour uh, tes mots d'encouragement. Um, ça nous permet de de continuer notre mission puis de de la continuer en confiance. There you go. How cool is that? This is like the only radio show that is heard in the United States uh, on Catholic stations that uh, has French. 
there you go emily that's why she's here because i <laughs> um so so there you go that so, so everybody can also e email us your comments if you like the show and maybe emily will speak french for you yeah all, all of a sudden out of the blue, <laughs> out of the blue i'll throw just, you off pedro speaks french <laughs> maybe this will be the bilingual show yeah. um and uh, <clears throat> and again uh, charles uh, father charles is a guardian so that that helps us plan because it's a monthly donation thank you very much um so today regular show yeah. um after emily and her news mark matthews our hollywood undercover missionary mm -hmm. he's going to be here to tell us what a cool job yeah i know eh? <laughs> he's going to be he's going to tell us about the tormented artist in hollywood so a lot of artists must be tormented so he's going to talk about that and then uh in connect five afterwards uh sebastian uh, will be speaking with the catholic guy lino ruli who uh, we both know very well um so that's uh, in about 20 minutes or so and then in our second half hour we'll be speaking with the dynamic deacon there's a guy named that they call him the dynamic, the dynamic deacon, deacon. you're pretty dynamic too, yeah i'm Pedro. pretty but i'm not the dynamic <laughs> not deacon the dynamic no the deacon. dynamic deacon is deacon harold burke sivers and he has a new book called behold the man about catholic the catholic vision of male spirituality so we're going to talking talking about male spirituality yeah. with uh, deacon harold burke sivers um that's in about half an hour and after that we get to meet a new singer songwriter um he does the music for all the focus conferences so that's the fellowship yes. of uh the catholic university students i'm sure a lot of our listeners are aware of kind of like the C cco equivalent right in so the, the, the canadian the canadian one is catholic christian outreach campus yes. ministry and in the united states is focus um and sean has been doing uh music with them for a long time uh sean garrison so why don't we begin with a song here's sean garrison with there is life from his album exceeding when the last leaves have fallen and the sky is painted gray you can feel the weight of darkness in the failing light of day it's the
That was Sean Garrison with There Is Life from his album Exceeding. And we're going to be speaking with Sean Garrison in our second half hour. Uh, but first, here is Emily with yes, our news. With news. So big uh, papal trip last weekend. Yes. Yeah, so the Pope went to Armenia. He was there for 52 hours. So it yeah, was actually a, sh- it was a big trips. trip, but a short trip. Yes. Um, the reason why it was important was that uh, the Pope uh, went so... There's two main reasons he was there for. One, Uh um, to, you know, just solidify ties with the Armenian Apostolic Church um, in the country. And as well, um, to... to kind of reaffirm the history of the Armenian people. Mm -hmm. So this was something that was also a little controversial just because... um, the Pope had mentioned when speaking about the massacre that happened in Armenia in 1915, uh, you know, he had called it a genocide, which is a term that um, the Turkish people um, angered, angered them really just yeah. because uh, they don't acknowledge um, that, that term for this, yes. for this uh, particular event. Yeah. So, um, which the Pope again uh, used the term uh, during his speeches mm-hmm. So uh, when he got there, he went straight to the the main cathedral in Etchmiadzin and he met with the president and the diplomatic corps, as he usually does when he goes to a country um, for an apostolic visit. Um, and he, he did have also a couple moments, uh, two, two events where he was able to pray with uh, the Armenian people, so ecumenical uh, prayer services right. and, and meetings. And um, he got to visit the memorial as well. So on the Saturday morning, yeah. uh, the memorial oh. to the, uh, the genocide. To the Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, and so he came back, uh, came back to Rome on Sunday, yeah. and uh, a very quick trip again, but very significant. And and the Armenian people were very grateful for him, of course, to to come to the country. Of course, uh, of course. So it was uh, much anticipated. Of course. And yeah. this whole relationship between the East and the West is 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 also, I think, important there with the Armenian Catholics because they're Eastern. It's an Eastern Rite yes. um, Catholic. And yeah. he on Wednesday on the feast of Peter and Paul when he blesses the Pallia. Yes. He also there was he also mentioned how these two saints are yes. are uh, Well, they're also w- representative of of yeah. the two um exactly the east yeah. and the west coming together that yeah. yeah, of the relationship between yeah. between the churches. There's always a delegation. So so this was another event that happened yeah. uh in the last week. So on Wednesday, uh the boat Pope blessed the Pallium, and it always happens on the feast of St. Peter and Paul, yes. and there's always a delegation from the Orthodox Church. Yes. Um, 
to to show again that proximity of the two churches yeah. between the two chur- churches. Yeah. Um, so there are 25 new metropolitan bishops right. uh, that will receive palliums. Now, it's been a year now that the Pope decided that they wouldn't be given the pallium at the basilica. He only blesses them in the ah, ceremony. Yes. And then they receive them in their diocese um, through the hands of the, nuns, the apostolic nuncio yeah. to the country. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so for people who have no idea what a pallium or yes. pallia, plural, pallia yes. is, um, so all the new, newly ordained uh, bishops, bishops yeah. um, receive a, 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 what's called a pallium. It's like a wool, yeah, it's a wool yeah. um, piece or ornament, right, that's worn over, over their shoulders. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, if you see, yeah, maybe we should po- post a picture somewhere. Yeah. Um, you'll, 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 it's usually white yeah. with like a, you know, black crosses. and Yeah, and if you see uh, the Pope or if you see your yeah, bishop, he you'll has see one it. Too. Everybody yeah. wears it. Exactly. Um, so that, that is given yeah. to them. That is a, a symbol of their office as bishop. Yes. So the Pope blesses the pallia, one pallium, multiple pallia, and uh, <laughs> and then, as Emily said, they get uh, given to the bishops at their own diocese, so by the yes, nuncio. Exactly. Interesting. So congratulations, I guess, to all yeah, the new bishops. All the new bishops, Very 25 cool. of them. Very cool. And also congratulations to Pope Emeritus. Right. 65 years yes. of being a priest. Wow. So he was ordained 65 years ago uh, on June 28th. Yeah. And uh, that's a, I mean, 65, that's huge. Even yeah. married people, when they yeah, celebrate 65, exactly. you're some... some yeah, some but not, a, not, not a lot get to 65. <laughs> right. So... Did he, was there a celebration or was so, it a um, cake? Did he get cake? Yeah, <laughs> good question. Good question. I don't, I don't know if I he got a know. cake. Do you give cake to the Pope? <laughs> you know, Maybe these, beer, maybe some German beer or something, right? Yeah, German right? beer, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I know on his birthday that happened that, once. Yeah, they got, they, yeah. And he had, you know, some, nice. some big fiesta happen at Castel Gandolfo. So. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, so there was actually a book release, though, that happened. Oh, okay. Um, there is a... Um, a book that has gathered, I guess, all of his homilies on the theme of the priesthood that oh, will be coming out. Neat. And Pope Francis wrote an introduction, a preface to <laughs> to this book. Oh, good. Uh, yeah. Good, good, good. So that should be coming out. We should keep our eyes open for that book yes. about uh, Pope Benedict. And congratulations. Pope Benedict is a, is a yes. faithful listener of this program. So congratulations on your 65th anniversary. Well, we haven't received any emails from him yet. No, he hasn't emailed us. Mm, mm, Pope Emeritus yeah. Benedict not emailing us. Anyway, maybe, maybe somebody else will German. email us. I don't know. Yeah. But hey, <laughs> Dutch, French, yeah. maybe you need to say congratulations That's true. Yeah. in French. Um, <laughs> thank you, Emily. Um, Emily Callan, our uh, news producer here, and, and she's quickly turning to be my sidekick, my French-speaking sidekick. Um, and But to get your daily Catholic updates, you can watch Emily and all our Perspectives team in various languages, not just French, on Perspectives on Salt and Light TV, also online at saltandlighttv.org, and on your Roku. Hi, this is Mikey Needleman, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. You're listening to the Salt and Light Hour. If you like this program, please consider becoming a monthly donor through our Guardians program. You can learn more at saltandlighttv.org. Now it's time for... What's Good in Hollywood with our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews. Mark, Hello, Pedro. Welcome back to the program. I should I should I should have started the segment by saying, please write to Mark Matthews because he's feeling a little insecure. I, I, 
I need some comments, some feedback. I want to hear if people are liking this or not. Yeah, seriously. So it's at HU Missionary, right? Correct, at HU Missionary. It, you can at tweet H- me. HU Missionary. So, but you're not going to talk today about sensitive artists in Hollywood that need mail. You're talking about tormented artists. Correct. I want to talk about the tormented artists. Tell me about that. So, so, so uh, recently, there rumors have been flying about a sequel to The Passion of the Christ. Yes. Um, and it actually doesn't really amount to much. Um, no. A screenwriter, Randall Wallace, is basically writing a story about the resurrection for. Okay. Um, Mel Gibson, but in movie making, that really doesn't amount to much. That no. maybe gives it an extra 15% chance of being made. Okay. Um, but all, all the commentaries, of course, like to kind of talk about Mel Gibson and his failures. He's sort of become persona non grata within the Hollywood community for uh, his anti-Semitic comments and yeah. some domestic violence. And uh, this kind of got me thinking about, you know, other historical uh, artists. Okay. Um, that th- this is this is not uncommon actually at all. Um, and there's I got a couple things that I guess I'd like to share today. Yeah. Um, and so the first one is is that uh, God does not uh, dispense artistic genius equally. Uh, and one of the best illustrations of this is the stats from the Writers Guild of America. Mm-hmm. Um, actual members. Only three percent of them get paid to do their writing. Wow. Um, the the other ninety percent, ninety seven percent of them need day jobs. Wow. Yeah, and and you know I see that kind of thing time and time again. You know, in this industry, that it's it's really only the the top 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 percent. You know, kind of people that uh, that you know are really getting paid to do this. Um, and and it really comes down to that. You know, filmmaking and a lot of other art forms. Think of like symphony composing or something like yeah. that, um, are really a genius-driven medium, um, and and very few of us are geniuses. Yeah. Huh. That's good to know, because I would have thought that it's like some people are just not geniuses, they just happen to know the producer, or, or the producer, or the writer happens to have a lot of money so they can produce their own screenplay, because a lot of screenplays are not genius screenplays, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> true. You know what, and, and there is there is a lot of that, but there is also, I think, a surprising amount of like objective yeah. opinions about artistry and just lack of artistry. So, good. so I, I hope that this helps you and I feel not so bad, you okay, know, that we're not, good. Ge- we're not geniuses. Okay. Um, but the the other thing uh, that that is is kind of important to know um, is that artistic genius torments uh, the receiver, uh-huh. um, and and there's actually kind of a theological explanation for this. Okay. Um, so uh, basically, artists are called to be prophets on behalf of God. Um, that uh, so uh, Pope Benedict yeah. um, he said that. Uh, because artists uh, who are pursuing beauty prayerfully, they make themselves a vessel of God's ongoing revelation and creativity in the world. Okay, uh, comes from an essay, "Beauty in the Face of Christ," and uh, and and, th- and this is actually uh, a thought that is echoed in a number of other um, you know essays from the popes and whatnot. But if you think about that, it's basically what what's actually happening is. Uh, God is entrusting man with his creative power uh, and has a message that he wants the creative genius to share with the world. Uh, and you hear this echoed in the words of Jeremiah, you know, who is uh-huh. the famous prophet, says, 
if I say I will not mention him, I will no, no longer speak in his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speak in his name. As though fires burning in my heart, imprisoned in my bones, I grow weary. And um, and, and and this really is. I, I know I know a lot of writers, and and you know, they become very obsessed over over what they're doing. Um, and the artist has a lot of uh, you know actually burdens to bear. You know, yeah, it, it yeah, means yeah. a lot of this time and isolation, rewriting, rewriting. You know, if you're a composer, you've got to recompose. Yes, if you're an actor, true. you spend time alone memorizing things. Yeah. And when you spend all this time, you know, alone, kind of like just with your own thoughts, it makes you really weird in social situations. You know, you, you, you sort of become a, po- a slob surrounded by, you know, pizza <laughs> and Diet Coke cans. Living you know? in your mother's basement. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and then when you do succeed in making that beautiful work of art, you know, people will deify you. They're like, oh, you made me feel that wonderful feeling and emotion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and it's kind of understandable. You've been called to relay God's message and beauty, and they're mistaking you for it. Yes. And and so if you kind of understand a little bit of this, of what's happening theologically, you know, it, it, it makes sense. Um, and th- there have been many famous examples in the history of the Church. Um, the famous sculptor Bernini, who has uh, yeah. sculptures in the Vatican, did the famous ecstasy of St. Teresa, yes. um, tried to murder his mistress. Oh, you know, he chased her through the streets yeah. and eventually had her face slashed. So, so this <laughs> whole history of people trying to relay... Um, sacred truth and being a little bit maybe crazy, uh, there's a long history to it, and there's a reason for it. Yeah, that's very interesting. I'm glad you're bringing this up, and I'm going to add another piece, because I think this is probably yeah. the difference between a, I'm not, I don't know about Bernini, but let's say a a a, a saint, St. Saint Teresa, or, or and a Mel Gibson, or someone sure. else who's writing. It's like it's it, a lot of these artists, I think, are very self-involved, in, self-indulgent. So Correct, even though yes. they're geniuses and they really, it's their message and it's very important and it's just beautiful and it might be an important message, but it's not about God. It's about yes. them, so the intention. So I think that that's the difference. Maybe if, if we can pray for writers, particularly in Hollywood and artists who can, who can really put this art outside of themselves so that they have, you know, and it's not about themselves because I think that that's what makes them all, you know, self-indulgent uh, and wanky but it, absolutely. and it's, crazy it's, it's, and weird. It's a, it's a gift that's been given to them by God, and if they don't recognize that, it Absolutely. comes from themselves. Yeah, it completely distorts it. Absolutely. So we can, uh, well, we continue pl- praying for Charlie Sheen. We'll, we'll yes. pray for all the art- other artists and, and uh, the, the, three, the 97% uh, writers of Hollywood that, that need uh, day jobs. How's Correct, that? yes. Hopefully St. Charlie Sheen someday. We'll, yes. You never we know. Conti- it's crazy. It's crazy. We I know. continue praying for him. All right. Well, thank you very much, Mark. This is something definitely something to think about. Uh, uh, maybe we'll get comments. Maybe someone will write to you about this, uh, this, this <laughs> theological explanation of tormented artists in Hollywood. Um, have a great summer, and we'll, uh, God willing, talk to you in the fall. Thank you. God bless. There you have it. Uh, What's good in Hollywood? Tormented artists. Theological explanation by Mark Matthews, our undercover Hollywood missionary. You can write to him via Twitter at hu missionary. Hi, my name is Noel Garcia, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. How are you going to spend the next five minutes of your time? 
How about meeting a fascinating person and learning something relevant that will broaden your perspective? Sit down with Sebastian Gomes and go straight to the heart of the matter. Here's Connect 5. Today, Sebastian speaks with the Catholic comedian Lino Rulli, who dispels the image of a bleak Roman Catholic church by poking fun at it. Lino, you're the Catholic guy, you're on the Catholic channel on Sirius XM Radio, and you're a comedian, the three C's. Uh, and I'm just wondering, is there something funny about Catholicism? Like, what, what is behind your approach to infuse talking about the Catholic Church, talking about the faith with comedy? All the world's greatest religions have great comedy in them. Judaism, uh, Catholicism, Islam, sometimes is funny, sometimes <laughs> not as funny, right? But you think of some of the greatest comedians of all time, they're Jewish. Part of their faith is a part of their comedy. Us Catholics have been lagging behind our Jewish brothers and sisters when it comes to these things, right? Catholicism is inherently, inherently funny. Give us an example. Like, what's something when you like think about the faith? You think about how you practice it on a daily basis. You think about the people who call into your radio program. Like, what is so funny about it? Okay, we got guys wearing dresses right there. Comedy <laughs> gold. Com- I mean, and nobody. <laughs> if, you're, even- if you're higher up in the hierarchy, right? You're wearing purple. And, and big hats. I mean, it's just funny. You're a little kid. You look over. You go, "What's going on around here?" That that is funny. You want to make a joke. Some of the things that I love about the faith are funny. I go to confession. The fact that I stand in line with a bunch of little old ladies who didn't commit sins, and I walk in a darkened booth and change my voice and tell a priest a bunch of my sins. What's not to love about this faith? It's hilarious. So what? Like, there's a lot of people who don't who think that there's no room for any kind of like laughter or comedy or whatever in faith because it's so serious and it means so much and it's so important and you have to be so solemn and so I mean what, what do you say to people like that? You're wrong. <laughs> You're wrong. You tell them a joke? No, I, I, I run away from them. They depress <laughs> me too much. It's why Pope Francis said uh, the word sourpuss, which by the way you know, first pope ever to use the word sourpuss. Right. You don't, if you walk around with this big sourpuss on your face, you don't really have joy. You don't have a real gratitude of life, of everything. Being serious about faith doesn't mean being serious in life. It's really that simple. The things you love the most, you should be passionate about and excited about. You ever eaten a plate of pasta and been like, thanks be to God. <laughs> this is the best pasta I've ever had. <laughs> Glory to you, Lord. I mean, this is not the way we act in real life. If you want to be serious about faith, you want to love your faith, you should some, have some sort of outward expression that you're not miserable. Is there anybody in the church that you particularly like to laugh at? You. You, Sebastian. <laughs> I you, am the one. You wouldn't believe the jokes we tell behind your back. Whenever I go to the Vatican, the Pope always pulls me aside. He's like, How about that one? You get a load of this one over here? I'm like, Oh, he's a riot. Uh, what was the question? Apart from me, who do you like? Someone in the church, people in the church. Is there someone that you love to just pick on who you just say, this person, like this is a character, this is someone we gotta... Well, you know, you know who you gotta love in the church? The lectors who didn't practice. You, you gotta love the lectors who don't know any of the words, they're fumbling over everything, they don't know how to pronounce anything. You gotta love that. Right. You gotta love the cantor who thinks they're on Broadway and this is their big chance and... <laughs> You, you gotta love that because it's like it's a show to it's hello and you're like, okay that's a good show as well. You, you, but you know more than anybody who I I love to pick on and I feel horrible about it. Uh, the people I love to pick on the most are the nice old people at church, right? The saints. 
I don't mean old like 2,000 years ago. I mean like the, the little old lady or the little old guy. Because, you know, if you're sitting in the pew, they're sitting in my pew. That's funny to me. I'm like, man, this isn't your pew. I, 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 I just think I came to worship as well. I love picking on it, but they're the ones who have the best faith. They're the ones who've stuck it out. They're the ones who raise the kids and now don't go to church. But right. there they are. And, you know, the thing is, you can pick on people in a mean way, in a negative way, in a demeaning way to boost yourself up and put somebody down, which is what I do. Or you can pick on people in a loving way, in, in a way that an older brother picks on a, lo- a little brother or a little sister. You know what I mean? And that family, and then there are certain jokes that only an Italian can tell about Italians, right? right. I think there are certain jokes only Catholics can tell about ourselves. And if an outsider does it, you go, wait, 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 wait. That was Sebastian Gomes speaking with the Catholic guy, Lino Rulli. To watch this interview and others, go to saltandlighttv.org slash connect5. Coming up in our second half hour, a Catholic vision of male spirituality, and we meet singer-songwriter Sean Garrison, so stay tuned. Hello, and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. If you're ever looking for books on male spirituality, chances are that you'll find stuff about fatherhood and sexuality, but it's hard to find something more comprehensive. Well, look no further. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers has just come out with a new book, Behold the Man, published by Ignatius Press. And to tell us all about it, I'm now joined by Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Brother Deacon, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. It's an honor and a privilege to be with you today. Absolutely. So um, I'm not quite sure what the word comprehensive means. What, is it, what do you mean um, that there's a comprehensive view of what it means to be a man? Well, you know, when I was looking um, for a book that really got to the heart of what an authentic Catholic man looks like, I couldn't find a, 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 a comprehensive book in the Catholic faith. So I found books on fatherhood, yeah. on priesthood, on celibacy, on you know, finding pornography, on different yeah. um, virtue, on different topical issues related to male spirituality. But I couldn't find anything that said, okay, what, does, what is the underlying spirituality that defines what it means to be a good husband, to be a good father, to be a good priest, to be a good, right. you know, young adult man in the world. What, what, what is the spirituality that drives all of that? Right. And that's what this book does. It really gives a, a foundation upon which to build uh, your life as an authentically Catholic man. I see, I see. So it's like, like when we were taking uh, uh, fun, you know, theology and you have to do that first course, Foundations, that sets everything up. Is it, that's what you felt exactly. that you needed that kind of that that ground. Exactly. You know, and, and Deacon Pedro, you know, you know what's interesting? When I was doing research, I you know I could not find a document issued by the the a pope, yeah, or by the magisterium, you know, the Vatican or any teaching authority that spoke to what it means to be an authentically Catholic man. Interesting. Now yeah. there was stuff for women. Yes. A mulieri dignitatem. Yes. That uh, uh, the the dignity of vocation of yes. women, written by Saint John Paul II. Yeah. But I couldn't find anything from men. Yeah. Now, there were, like, Familiars Consortio, the uh, late Holy Father, yeah, uh, John Paul II, yeah. St. John Paul II's document on the family. There was pieces on fatherhood in there. There were two encyclicals written on St. Joseph, 
Right. But I couldn't find anything for men. So th- again, that was another impetus for me to also write yeah. the book as well. No, it's a good point because when I when I heard about your book and I, I I was reading it, I was ex- thinking exactly that. I thought, you know, like we all hear about the feminine genius, and I wonder if it, people would be offended probably if we started talking about the male genius. But you think that if there should be the equivalent. So what did you find then when you when if I were to ask you, so what is authentic male Catholic spirituality? What what is that? Well, I think it's it's the way that we as men respond to God's invitation to life-giving communion. Okay. Um, through an ever-deepening uh, discovery of who of how God works in our lives, most particularly by uniting ourselves with Christ crucified. Uh-huh. That that's the key. Uh, we imitate Christ crucified. We meditate on what that crucifixion means, and we live our spirituality from the cross of Jesus Christ. St. Huh. Paul says, I preach Christ and Christ crucified. Right. I want to know nothing except the cross of Jesus Christ. And again, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Right. So what, does, what makes that authentically Catholic? Well, if you look at our Protestant brothers and sisters, um, you know, uh, uh, particularly our Protestant brothers, when they have a, a cross, they don't have a crucifix. They, right. There's no corpus on that cross. Yeah. You know, and so us as Catholics, we, we don't focus on the fact that, of course, we know Jesus is risen from the dead. He's at the right hand of the Father. We don't, you know, but, but the thing is, most of life is the cross. Uh-huh. And we as men are called to serve, protect, and defend. You go all the way back to the book of Genesis chapter 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our job is to serve, protect, and defend, to break ourselves open and pour ourselves out in love for our wives, for our children, for the church, and for this culture. And the image of what that looks like, an authentically man who pours himself out, is Christ crucified? So that that's kind of the hermeneutic or the uh, the, yeah. the, the the kind of the lens to, yes. through which you look through what I'm trying to do in the book. I see. I'm glad you clarified because I was going to ask you. Well, in in a sense, that that is for everyone. That the cross is that grounding element. But but you say that specifically men who are called to serve, protect, and defend through that lens, as opposed to women who might still use the same lens but maybe a different focus. Would that be fair to well, say? Well, exactly. Like, for example, Ephesians chapter 5. Why, yes. A husband's, love uh, your wives. Ephesians 5.25. Yeah. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Yes. See, so right then, when he, when, he, when he tries to tie in what it means to be an authentic husband, and of course, and he says, you know, he talks about the church. So you have this kind of beautiful vision of Jesus Christ, the bridegroom, yeah. giving his life, sacrificing himself for his bride, the church, just like a husband and a father does in a family. Yeah. Gives his life. His job is to die to himself every day, to live for his wife and his children, for his priest, if he's a priest, for, the, for his parish, yeah. he's the father of that family, or for a single man living in the world. He is a witness and an example of what it means to live that Christ-crucified life in the way he interacts in, in the culture. Right. Um, you know, so it's, it's a beautiful yeah. uh, model for how we truly live and be examples of, uh, of what it means to be a man in the world today. Right. Now, do you think that that masculine spirituality only makes sense when it's complemented by a, 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 a real feminine spirituality? That's a great question. I address that several times in the book. Because cause people say, okay, this male spirituality, well, how does that complement an authentically... Uh, feminine spirituality. So I, I address that yeah. um, very directly. I talk about what it means to be an authentic uh, uh, woman, a Catholic woman as well. And how you're right, how that perfectly complements. If you go back to Genesis, there's a beautiful 
complementarity yes. between the male and the female. And, and we're, we're living in a world right now where all those lines are being blurred and confused yeah. on purpose, yeah. where gender doesn't matter. All that matters is how you feel. Yeah. You know, biology doesn't matter. All that matters is how you feel. You know, and and we, yeah. we've gotten away yeah. from this understanding of a, a, an authentic anthropology. What, what does our bodies, what language does that speak in relation to our relationship with God? Yeah. See, so, so when you move God out of the picture, then the, the focus, so, so instead of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Trinity, the Trinity becomes me, myself, and I. Yeah. And that's what's happened in the culture today. So I think a recapturing of a sense of a, a beautiful complementarity between man and woman, which I do try to draw out in the book. Mm-hmm. So, so, so men can see what an authentic woman looks like, but also that women can see what a real man looks like. Right. Uh, just recently, a, man, a, a, a young woman came up to me after a parish mission and said that her husband bought her Behold the Man mm-hmm. and sent it to her. She's a, co- she's a sophomore in college. And she said the father sent it to her. She read the book. She goes, oh, my goodness, now I know what my future husband looks like. Yeah. You see? Yeah, no, that's so actually... She, she, so she saw in the pages of that book a beautiful complementarity for the spirituality she's trying to live as a woman. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that's a great, you know, if I asked you, what are your hopes for this book? You, you know, it's not just for men. It's also for women, for wives, um, because women need to know what it means to be a real man. And uh, not only, you know, men need to know what it means to be a real man, but women also need to know that. Um, Deacon, that's all the time we have, but thank you so much. This has been, uh, you know, a quick, quick study for our listeners, but hopefully uh, enough to, to make them want to go and find out more. They can purchase the book. It's published by Ignatius, Ignatius Press. Thank you so much for writing the book and for doing what you do, Deacon, and, and, and for sharing a little bit of that with us today. Oh, you're most welcome. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, he's known as a dynamic deacon. He hosts his own weekly broadcast from the rooftops on Radio Maria, and he's also the host of several popular series on EWTN, including Behold the Man, Spirituality for Men. His latest book is of the same title, and it's published by Ignatius. You can learn more about the book at beholdthemanbook.com and about Deacon Harold at his website, deaconharold.com. Here now is our featured Artist of the Week, Sean Garrison, with You Yourself from his album, Exceeding. Oh, sure. 
that was Sean Garrison with You Yourself from his album Exceeding. Now, Sean Garrison has been playing music for more than 20 years and has been extensively involved with Focus. I mentioned that earlier in the program, the Fellowship of Catholic University Students, and also with other ministries at various parishes and campuses across the United States. Um, His songwriting, he says, is inspired by the hopes and struggles of life, the beauty and mystery, faith and worship. Now, Sean's debut album, which we've been listening to, is titled Exceeding. And uh, so I'm very, very happy to welcome Sean Garrison to the program. Sean, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, Deacon Pedro. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Yes, I know. And, and I, should, I didn't want to mention it in the introduction, but I'll say it now because you and I have been working to put together uh, this great program in, uh, in Krakow for World Youth Day. And, and we'll talk about that uh, later on. But so it's great to, to be working with you on this. Indeed. Um, so you're a Catholic musician. You, wh- what was it like growing up? Was it a faithful household? Or you, you're not a, you know, were you always Catholic? You know, I was a born and raised cradle Catholic, but yeah. really uh, entered into some dark times in my early teenage years. Uh-huh. And it was really the local youth group that I somehow managed to get involved with. And we'd go on retreats, and it was really uh, a foreign mission trip when I was 16 to uh-huh. Ecuador. Oh, that really? really destroyed my worldview in a good way, uh-huh. and really made me start reprioritizing. And uh, you know, you know how God's grace works it's yes. gradually, but really, that's what that that's what gave like a focus and a passion to my life that uh-huh. otherwise ha- had didn't have a passion and purpose in my eyes. Good, good. So there's a great great incentive to all youth youth ministers around the world that are might be listening and, and not, not knowing if what they're doing makes a difference. It makes a difference. Um, Amen. That, that's great. So were you, were you already doing music when you were a teenager going through like this period of time? No, you know, I started playing guitar when I was 15, just oh, down because yeah. the kid down the street had a guitar and we'd yeah. figure out, um, counting crows and Nirvana and Metallica songs together. Yeah. And, uh, there was actually this, this thing, uh, here in the United States, called See with the Pole. It was a rally. That uh-huh. was an, inter, an ecumenical thing that once a year people would, uh, of different Christian faiths would gather around the flagpole and pray for the school. Right. And um, our, our school here in Gulf Breeze, Florida, in the Pensacola area, started doing that every week. Yeah. And um, huh. so I, we'd trade off on this, using this, taking turns on the same guitar, and uh, that's right. really kind of how it started. Nice, nice. And when did you start? I guess at some point you had that, when you had this little conversion back to church, so you start playing in church, or how did that happen? You know, they passed the little cards around to donate your, uh, your time, <laughs> talent, talent and treasure, and I'm like, yeah. sure, I'll check Eucharistic minister on the box, and I'll check music. And I really honestly showed up and was like, you know, thinking, yeah, I'd love to, to be able to help support this and be like, okay, can you tell me how to play an E chord? <laughs> so really, I learned, I learned a lot of what I know from music informally and from playing with church groups. That's great, great. And when did you become involved with Focus? In the summer of 2007, I was transitioning out of six years in uh, parish youth and music ministry in the Archdiocese of Denver. Yeah. And um, the Lord just made this, this um, clear call for me to join Focus. Even though I wasn't particularly fond of fundraising at the time, I realized, God, he's so faithful. He will always provide. And um, just loving this mission of of reaching college students and trying to to invest in them like Jesus did, just investing in a few people deeply to teach them to teach others to teach others. Interesting. So that's really when 
when I really started understanding discipleship in a deeper way. So you were you were called to be a focused missionary. Can you explain a little bit how focus works for people that may sure. be hearing this for the first yeah, time? Focus, the Fellowship of Catholic University Students, was founded in 1998 by Curtis Martin. Yeah. And um, we've grown from three missionaries on one college campus to over 113 campuses across the U.S. with over 500 staff. Mm -hmm. And it's really based on this. It's a lot of what Campus Crusade does, mm -hmm. if you're familiar with them. They, they send out these teams of missionaries onto college campuses, universities, to be able to lead small group Bible studies, one-on-one -on -one discipleship, and just really through your communal life, just like the, the early Christians, look how they love one another. Yeah. And it just really intrigues and plants seeds. It's, it's amazing. The number of vocations, the number of people who've become missionaries, and and really, Deacon Pedro, the, the exciting thing is that we're investing in people who are studying education and law and science yes. and engineering and everything. And so w when these people graduate, they're going into all these various fields to be a light. Yes. No, that's phenomenal. I, I, I think uh, campus missionaries, that, that I mean, I love the fact that somebody recognized that it, it was actually a mission field and that we needed to send missionaries. Um, in Canada, we have Catholic Christian Outreach. I'm sure you're familiar with CCO. Yeah. Um, so they do very, very, uh, very much the same thing. Um, so you've been, but you've been a musician for like 20 years. Uh, presumably you were writing your own songs, you know, here and there, but now it's, you know, finally we have an album. What made you kind of put together this album? Like what changed that, that made you feel like it was time for an album? You know, that's funny. I had, if you would have asked me, it was probably 15 years ago, I had this vague, inexplicable sense that I feel drawn to write and record original music. Huh. And I would, had no idea of the time frame or the quote-unquote purpose or like what God was doing. Yeah. And so I think it was, yes, it was in the spring of 2014, I realized, I'm like, I am just going to burst if I don't do this. Right. I can't hold this in any longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this theme of music has kind of, you know, been prominent and then it's kind of felt dormant at different seasons for over 15 years wow. and then just felt called to step out in faith and do this crowdfunding thing called okay. Kickstarter yeah. and was able to, to raise the amount needed and recorded with um, with some amazing Nashville musicians yeah and um, that's yeah, it's a great privilege so it's would you so the, are these songs that you've been writing for the last 15 years kind of thing Yes, some of them are eight years old, right. six years old, and then a few of them are, you know, just within the, the year before that. Yeah. Now, tell me about the title. I always love asking about titles, Exceeding. Um, I know one of the tracks is called Exceeding, but uh, so where does that come from, and why, why did you choose that track to kind of represent what the whole album means? Yes, great question. I think when I look, when I look back at my life, I, I look with humility and with awe and wonder at how God is so gracious and how the Holy Spirit is infinitely creative and how He makes connections and, you know, our experiences and our desires and all these different things are gifting. Mm -hmm. And I just look back and I see God's mag magnificent graciousness toward human mm -hmm. beings is beyond. It, is, it, it exceeds what any of us can grasp or articulate. And... Um, and I think Stephen Curtis Chapman, you know, years back had this album called Speechless. Uh -huh. And I think that song on there just kind of captures it. We're just, <laughs> we can't put words to how, how astoundingly good God is. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. And it's a great word. Exceeding. Um, um, there's another album, 
And and it's funny because when I first got it, I went, oh, this is interesting, but it's not Sean Garrison, but it, but it is. Um, tell me about this origin project, this beauty beauty initiative within Focus. So it's a it's a Focus initiative of of Campus Ministry. So tell me about this this how this album came about. What was the thinking behind doing this? Sure, I I I was a campus missionary for four years, and at a certain point, I w- I was asked to start leading music for our, our national events for Focus. Yeah. And uh, then eventually came off of campus and really wanted to move toward full-time music to just explore this and to really do it well. Right. And in the process of that, just really seeing a movement within the church and within other ministries as well that places an emphasis on beauty, uh-huh. on the power of beauty. And just thinking of you know if the characteristics of God that are goodness and truth mm-hmm. and beauty. Our world doesn't recognize truth. Mm-hmm. Truth is all relative or just doesn't even exist. And goodness is oftentimes so distorted because of broken families and just the violence and the brokenness of our world. But there's something peculiar about beauty, it seems, that really can pierce the human heart. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter Kraft in a lot of his podcasts yes. would yeah. say it goes past the, the watchman of the mind. It kind of sneaks past and just goes straight to the heart. Which is, you know, there's a, the mystery of how do you listen to an instrumental piece of music that can move you, you know, stir you deeply, and you not, you know, there are no words. You, right. You, you don't know what's touching you, or you look at a beautiful painting, and like, why does that resonate? And I think we're just seeing, we, within Focus, wanted to, to use our gifts within music to let the beauty of music, the power of music, just do its work. Yeah. And just plant seeds and reach deeply and stir hearts to transcendence to look upwards to god absolutely and so i and i guess because it's a a focus project is it used for that very same purpose in terms of mission giving people something that's beautiful that might move them to closer to actually recognizing god yes and focus has so many different facets so i mean we sell it at our our events we sell it on our our website, which is shopfocus.org, yeah. um, and it's, we also give it to some benefactors and just right. really wanting to spread this wide, and we've gotten some great response. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. In fact, we're going to close the program with one of the songs um, from this album. Um, that's all the time we have, Sean, but uh, I'm very excited to be, uh, we, we haven't met in person, but we're going to be spending a lot of time together in Krakow. Um, so uh, yeah. a shout-out to, a shout-out, an invitation to all our listeners who may be in Krakow this summer for World Youth Day. If you come to the Mercy Center at the Tauron Arena, Sean and I are going to be there. So come say hello. How's Please that? do, yes. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be good. Lots of good music. Okay, Sean, um, thank you very much. I know you're on holiday, so enjoy your family. Enjoy this break, and, <laughs> and I'll see you in Poland. Excellent. Thank you so much, Deacon. You can learn more about Focus and the Beauty Initiative origin at that website, focus.org. And to learn more about Sean Garrison, you purchase his music or book him for your event, go to seangarrison.com, and it's Sean, S-H-A-U-N, Garrison, seangarrison.com. But we're going to put that link on our site so you can find it easily. Here now is Sean Garrison with God Alone from the Focus album, Origin. Clap your hands 
You're listening to Sean Garrison with God Alone from Origin, a beauty initiative within the Fellowship of Catholic University Students Focus. And singing with Sean on this track is Sarah Kroger. And that will bring us to the end of our program this week. And the end of our season this year. Yes. So starting next week, you can listen to the best of our interviews and conversations from the past year. And remember that you, if you missed any part of this program or and to listen to any of our programs, you can stream or podcast all the Salt and Light Hour programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And that's also where we post links to our artists or guests. And you can stay connected with us via Facebook and Twitter. I'm at... Emmy Callan, E-M-I-C-A-L-L-A-N. And I'm at Deacon Pedro G-M. Thank you for your generosity, for your prayers. This program is completely free thanks to donations. So thank you so much for considering us when you're making your charitable contributions. And this, Emily, is also the show when we get to thank all the people that make the show possible. So our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews, our parenting expert, Julian Cantor, our public relations expert, Dan Torquia, uh, Sebastian Gomes with Connect5, and our film expert, Sister Marie Paul Curley. And our sound technician and technical expert is Javier Capella. Yay, Javier. <laughs> and the executive producer of this program and the CEO of Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation is Father Thomas Rosica. Our producer and host is Deacon Pedro. And here with me is our news producer, Emily Callan. Thank you for another great season. Have a blessed summer. And maybe we'll see you at World Youth Day. Hey, yeah, that's right, because we're going to be there. Emily um, and I are going to be at the Mercy Center at the Tower Arena yep. in Krakow. So if you're anywhere near there, come and say hello. Please do. And this has been the Salt and Light Hour. Mm-hmm.